0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com/host.
1: One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
2: Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt.
1: Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parents' plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at UH1.com. That's UH1.com.
3: Hello, this is a prepaid call from hey, Anthony's Duke.:
0: This call is from a correction facility and is
3: subject to monitoring and recording.
2: Hello, and welcome back to One Minute Remaining. My name is Jack Lawrence, the host and creator of this show. Today is time for a quick catch-up with the man from Michigan. The man who's serving a life sentence for the crime of murder without the possibility of parole. It's a crime he's always maintained he's innocent of. If you're yet to hear the story of Anthony Duke, well, time to hit that pause button. Head on back and catch up. Tony and I will speak quite regularly via the prison's messaging system for a check-in every few weeks, but this was our first phone call for some months, and I'd heard from his mum that he'd recently got himself a new title.
3: Hello. Here he is. What's going on?
2: How are you, Minister?
3: Yeah, <laughs> like that?
2: I do. It's quite the achievement, my Come friend.
3: On. Yeah, well, praise God. Indeed. Yes, he thought I, thought I earned it, so.
2: What happens? Do you have to do, like, take sort of... Classes or do exams, or how does that whole thing work?
3: Yeah, you got to take courses and tests and exams, and you got to put in work.
2: Absolutely. Tony is a man of strong faith, and he leans heavily on that faith when we discuss his situation. He places a lot of trust in God having him where he is for a reason, and also being the one who will eventually help to free him.
3: Yeah, I'm uh, confident that everything will work out. Stand firm in what I know God has put into my heart and shown me, I will be free. I
2: think out of all the men and women I've spoken with over my time creating this show, only one has, in fact, not been religious or had a strong faith behind them. Now, I know there's a a stigma around this, as many people talk about the convenience of criminals finding God when they get to prison, as a possible act or a way of showing the prison system that they've reformed and become better people. Now, I don't believe this, of course, in any way is the case of Tony Duke. I mean, he's just become an ordained minister. That would be one hell of an act. But when I think about this, I remember a quote that my late grandfather used to say. He was a soldier fought in World War II, and he would say, there are no atheists in the trenches. Of course, meaning when people are placed in the most dire of situations, with seemingly no hope anywhere else, they will look for help from something higher, a certain sense of comfort. And I believe, I mean, certainly in the case of men and women who have been wrongfully incarcerated, some form of reason as to why this has happened to them. I mean, I often think about how it might feel to be locked up for a crime I didn't commit, away from my family, my young children, friends, being forced to live in a cell and not being able to leave, having literally no control over my life and fighting week after week, month after month, year after year for that freedom. Yet constantly being denied, being forgotten and being looked at as nothing more than a criminal. How would I cope with that? So that's why I can completely understand why so many incarcerated men and women who may not have been religious on the outside will find that religion when it comes to being incarcerated and it becomes an important part of their lives. So although lots of people do find religion and work to better themselves inside facilities, this of course is still a prison and not a place full of angels and choir boys, and trouble is never far away. Any lockdowns and stuff going on?
3: Oh yeah, a little bit here and there. We was locked down not too long ago for something. Guy two cells down got it. him as blunt got into it and I guess he kinda of ripped off his fake leg and split him between the eyes with his own leg.
2: Theory me. I'm surprised he's allowed a fake leg in prison.
3: Ah, uh, Yeah, you're allowed to have them. I used to paint them. I used to paint on them. Make it all tattoo-like on the plastic prosthetics. Wow. These guys was a titanium one. But, yeah, they, I've seen guys with fake arms.
2: I would have thought they could hide things in those, mm-hmm. though, couldn't they?
3: Yeah, you could. I had a bunkie that had a fake eye.
2: A fake eye? yeah. Don't tell me he used to pop it out of his head all the time.
3: No, he didn't do that. But he did get beat up, and uh, they made him pop it out of his head because he owed him money. Jesus Christ. So he had to run around for a while, and I had to get it back for him. That's actually, yeah, it was a test from God, dude, because uh, I come back from the weight pit, and then I walk in my room, and there's a towel over the thing, you know, I go in my, I go in there and there's like four people in there and they're like, oh, you don't want to be a part of this. I said, it's my room. What are you doing in here? I shut the door and I look. I see one guy. got has got a, a shank in his hand. My bunkie's freaking out. Another guy's standing there and then another guy was in the corner. The one guy in the corner was, I think he was getting tattooed on by my bunkie at the time. And so I observed the situation and Everything in me wanted to take it from him, you know, and I played it out in my mind. Like, God showed me what would happen, that I would take this thing from this guy, put him in the corner, I hurt him real bad, and all I kept hearing was, let the wicked take out the evil, which is a scripture in the Bible, in Proverbs, you know, and look at my bunkie, I just walked out, because I knew he was just uh, some BS sometimes, you know, getting drugs whatever i don't know i've learned to by god's grace i've learned to just find peace through every situation even when it's literally in my own room i leave the room and i walk down the hallway so i prayed that he would deliver the situation convict these guys get them out of my house i turn around and start walking down there one guy comes out and then another guy comes out and go in there And the other guy that was still in there, obviously my bunkie's friend, but not that big of a friend. He didn't do nothing. He left, so I got a prize to the situation. I was always worried and concerned about what I would do faced with a situation where someone put hands on me or violated my private personal space, which they were in my room, trying to rob my bunkie at night point, which he didn't have nothing to take except his eyeball. I got mail and received my certificate of being an ordained minister. And God says, see, I told you, I got you.
2: Wait, so did this incident with the old happen quite recently then?
3: February.
2: Yeah, right.
1: One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
2: Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt.
1: Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
2: Uh, Tony says that his certificate as an ordained minister arrived on a day that in the past hasn't always been one filled with great memories. Valentine's Day.
3: It's signed February 14th, Valentine's Day, my certificate. So, like, I, I wasn't too cool about Valentine's Day because... Well, I've always kind of kept Valentine's Day separate to have a Valentine, you know, and make it special for like one time and one time only with the same person. Yeah. You know, Well then my ex, when I was out there, I bought her like four dozen roses and had it literally chased her around the county trying to deliver it to her. She just didn't sit still. <laughs> so finally sent it home where she was. And she called me and said, oh, aren't you sweet? I'm like, yeah, what are you talking about? She don't know. I just cost me a couple hundred dollars in travel fees. <laughs> to chase her around the county. She decided to leave work early. And so then she's like, you remember when we first got together, what I told you? I said, what? Not to ever buy me red roses. I'm like, what? She's like, I'm like, I guess. So when I got home, I went through them in the dumpster. Fine, whatever. She took the big teddy bear that I had wrapped around the vase Played with that,
2: but I would have taken that her as well.
3: Because, yeah, so I'm, all, I'm like, I'm like, wow, second time I ever bought a girl flowers like that. She's like, mm-hmm. so, but that that is whatever. That was not. But my first appeal got turned down on Valentine's Day, 2017. That kind of just shattered my whole world because yeah. a lot of work went into it, and it just felt like I kept getting shit on, you know. So was, yeah. whatever. And then that was the guy used that to tell me like to uh, saturate the world with love, what he wanted me to do.
2: So this story has somewhat of a happy ending as Tony got his cellies' eye back and, in fact, got a new bunkie.
3: I got my bunkie's eye back. Uh, Good. He ain't my bunkie anymore. He's been gone a while. I got a different bunkie. But,
2: uh, how, how is that when you get a new bunkie? Is that um, always a, a bit of a long adjustment period?
3: For me, I don't know, a little bit. but Not really because... I mean, I'm always the same It's jailing, one-on-one, you know, respect the person's space, their property, you know, give them time to themselves, you know, to get out the shower. Don't just sit in the room while they're in there getting ready after you're in the shower. Stuff like that, you know, there's, there's certain little simple things that you should do. Yeah. I go to work at 1130 in the morning. Don't come back till about 630. You know, which would be his time to be in the room. Yeah. Plus, I go to the weigh pit in the morning and at night, you know, and he gives me space. He knows how to He's been down 40-some years. Shit. So, he knows how to tell. He was like, I'm thankful I got you as a bunky duke. He's like, I ain't never had to lay down no ground rules or nothing. You seem, you know i to do things. I, I see you get up and study your Bible. I give you space. You're gone at work. I hang out in here. You come back. He's like, I'm in the day room. I was like, man, you don't have to sit in the day room because I'm back. He's like, no, no. You've got to have your time. And, and I'll feed him because he's, he's an older gentleman.
2: I was going to say, oh. he must he must be yeah. an older guy because he's been in prison for a, such a long time. He must be an older guy.
3: Yeah, he's got a birthday coming up. I'm not funny, years. I think 47 years. And he's about to turn 68. But he's so. Guinea. I'll be feeding him every day. It, my arms are bigger on than his legs.
2: <laughs> so is he? Uh, is he a lifer as well? Yeah, yeah.
3: He got. I think he got life plus a hundred years. Jesus, something like that. I
2: never understand yeah. those um, those sentences. But, I mean, you know, life plus a hundred years. I mean, what's? I don't understand the point in that. I mean. It's not like he's going to live his life sentence and then come back and have to live another hundred years. It just it baffles me that I, I, don't, I don't understand Man. it.
3: That that is a case of when a judge is just trying to rack up numbers. You know, yeah. the judges that keep track of the amount of years they sentence. You know, and some try to hit certain numbers, like a million years. I sentenced a million years. Like you're proud of that?
2: Yeah. Did you hear about the case of the guy... There was a guy in prison in the US who had a life sentence and he legally um, died for, I think, um, two minutes or three minutes and was brought back to life. So then he argued to the courts that he'd um, he'd died and come back so he'd lived his life sentence.
3: Yeah, I've read something like that. And the judge actually said, yeah, well, you had another life sentence to do consecutive. (laughs) So you got to die and come back one more time.
2: (laughs) So where are we at with Tony's case? Well, so far, nothing. But as Tony says...
3: I mean, you know, no news is good news. I'm just rolling on through the days, uh, trying to do my best to fulfil them with studying my Bible, meditating, good prayer life, growing with the guys around here that want to do something different.
2: So although there's been no news on the inside, I've had a little breakthrough on the outside... You say you'll never guess who I heard from today. Um, Old mate Sheriff Mike Murphy sent me an email today.
3: Wow. Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting, actually.
2: Now, since starting this show, I've had numerous messages from different people regarding some of the cases that we've covered and talking about other shows, documentaries or podcasts who may have covered the same cases, telling me that they believe someone to be guilty. If you just listen to this or watch that, you'll see they're definitely guilty. Now... I always respond the same way. I've mentioned many times in the past it is not my job to try and prove these men or women innocent or guilty. I simply created a platform for them to tell their story. And I take my lead from them. Should they want me to approach people involved in their case, then I will happily do so. Tony has definitely been one person who has been very open to me digging into his case and asking questions of everyone involved, especially the police who investigated his case. So for months now, I've tried to contact the Livingston County Sheriff's Department, asking for an interview, and have so far heard nothing. That is, of course, till this week. I managed to track down a direct contact for the Sheriff of Livingston County, the top dog, the man in charge, who was in fact the undersheriff at the time of Tony's case and gave a comment to the media at the time. So I sent him a message, and I'll be honest I wasn't expecting any response at all until I woke up one morning to a reply. Also in his response to me, because I obviously uh, told him why I wanted to talk to him, uh, and his response was, I do remember the case, but only to the extent that it was a circumstantial case and the jury found him guilty based on the great work of our detectives that did at the time who had both since retired.
3: I'm surprised he emailed you back.
2: Well, so am I, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I I am as well. I thought I would hear absolutely nothing. But uh, I found him online, so we'll see. I mean, you know, it's better than silence, I suppose.
3: Yeah, hallelujah.
2: So it's obviously not a commitment to any interview, but it's certainly a step closer for us to be able to at least ask some questions in this case and get the sheriff's response.
3: You
1: have one minute. Remaining.
2: Gone, that goes so quick.
3: You want me to call you back?
2: Yeah, call us back, buddy. All uh, right. All right, talk to you soon. Give me a second. minute. Okay. So, as Tony says, no news is good news, but I am still working in the background trying to get more information and contacting people associated with this case. And until then, we will continue to keep you up to date with Tony's situation and his appeal. One minute remaining is a mash Pumpkin production. Produced, hosted, and created by Jack Lawrence. Editing and sound design by Jack Lawrence and Dom Evans. This show is part of the ACAST Creator Network.